0: welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now let's turn our hearts and our minds to the word as we begin today's episode. We're glad to have you here tonight. If you're brand new to any of our campuses, hello, my name is Joel. I'm the lead teaching pastor across all of our campuses and it's a, uh, a joy to have you here with us. It's always an honor for me to open up God's word and teach anybody anything out of it. Um, I've had some things in my heart for, for some Sunday nights now, and they're resonating with me, uh, resonating with my heart. And so it's just a joy for me to be able to open those things up. And so tonight, I just want to kind of pick up where we left off um, two weekends ago uh, in First Corinthians 3. So let's go over there and look at it. We've looked at this scripture now for probably about four or five times, and we'll see how much the, the Spirit wants to take us back there. I, I thought that we were done, but apparently not. So... Here we go again, First Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to look here in verse number 6, First Corinthians 3 and verse number 6. I, I do think me, Mallory, and Hillary should wear, you know, take a picture together and then do a poll on who wore it best, 1 um, Corinthians 3. I like the green sweatshirts though, I do, I like the green word of life sweatshirts. Uh, so first, this is the, the second time I've worn this this week, um, so, but it's clean both times. I, uh, I sniffed and made sure. I'm kidding. My wife took care of it. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive the reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You were God's field, you were God's building. Uh, If they can put up verse 9 in the Amplified, um, that's kind of been our tradition when we've looked at this. It may take them a minute. Um, You're God's field, you're God's building, the Amplified amplifies field and brings out you are God's garden. For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with you, and you are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. Uh, and he likens that many times throughout First Corinthians 3. He says, every time I'm speaking, I'm not just speaking, I'm sowing seed into you. Um, every time Apollos is speaking, he's watering the seed that is there. And you are going to give an increase to what has been sown in you. Why? You are a garden. Uh, In fact, why don't you just say that with me? It'll make me happy. Just for no other reason other than it would make me happy. Just, just say it with me. Say, I am am a garden. garden. Now we've been asking this question all throughout this series. What does a garden grow? What does a garden grow? (laughs) Exactly, whatever it is that you put into it. A garden will only grow what's been sown into it. And we said that's why you've been producing what you've been producing is because you are a product of the seed you have allowed to be sown into you. And you will produce nothing else in life other than what you're sowing into you right now. You're a field. You're a garden. Every time you watch something, it's going into you. It's seed. Every time you listen to something, it's going into you. It's seed. We said there's nothing that you watch or listen to that's without consequence. And so the reason why you keep producing the same thing is you keep allowing the same seed to be sown into you. You keep allowing the same people to speak into you. You keep allowing the same friends to speak into you. You keep allowing, and maybe in a good way, the same ministries to speak into you. But you will only produce what you allow to be sown into you. If you don't like what's coming out of you in parenting, you, never, you need better seed there. Um, read some books on parenting. Listen to some podcasts on parenting. Talk to some parents whose kids have turned out well. You need better seed there. If you don't like what you're producing financially, you need better seed there. Pick up some books on finances. Talk to some people who handle their money well. If you don't like what's coming out of you in your marriage, you need better seed there. Because you are a garden. You will only produce what you allow to be sown into you. Now, there's three words that I I mention quite often, and I'd like you to write those things down tonight if you're halfway serious about making your life better. Uh, Environment, association, and influence. Everyone say environment, association, and influence. Now, if you've attended Word of Life for any length of time, you know I mention this quote often. That your life will never change until you change those things. Environment... Association, and influence. I know this in the, at the core of my being, that no matter how well I or any of the pastors do their jobs, we will not ultimately make your life better unless we change those three things about you. The, the entirety of your life is fighting for those three things. Environment, what you're around. Association, who you're around. influence who and what you allow to speak into your life. Um, And I heard this from a mentor of mine years ago who was in ministry, and he made that statement. He said, until you change those three things about anybody's life, you'll never change their life. And I never forgot that. And this is why, and I don't say this pridefully, but I just say it with the excitement level that I have. I am pumped up about my future. Genuinely. Genuinely. I am thrilled, elated about my future. Why? I'm a garden. And you know what my future is going to produce? The seed I'm allowing to be sown into my heart right now from my environment, my association, and my influence. You want to get around big and godly things, environment. You want an environment in your home that's excellent and godly. That environment you're, you're around, it affects you. It's not without consequence. Why? Because you're seeing it without even knowing you're seeing it. You're around it without even knowing you're around it. You're listening to it without even knowing you're listening to it. Take greater control over your environment. Association. I only get around people who make me want to be better after I'm away from them. I refuse, and I made this distinction years ago, I refuse to be around people who when I'm around them, I constantly produce my worst self. I want to be around people that if I'm not talking right, I I sense I'm not talking right. I, I want to be around people who physically challenge me. I want to be around people who mentally challenge me. I want to be around people who financially challenge me. I want to be around associations that they're talking, and when they're talking, it's challenging me because I understand, and I want you to get this, my friends, when they talk to me, it is seed going right to my heart. Why? I'm open with them. And if I don't know you from Adam, you could talk and it wouldn't get in me. But for my friends, my ground, I'm a garden. My ground is open to them. Their thoughts and ideas about marriage are getting in me. Their thoughts and ideas about spirituality, it's getting in me. I need to watch my associations. And then lastly, influence. I am on purpose bringing in the best influences I know possible in my life. And somebody says, does that mean you're out there connecting? No, I'm reading. I'm reading like I used to read. And and I'm seeing, like, I want to take my life to another level. And you've heard my testimony for years Uh, When my life changed, is when I threw away my TV and said, Every single book in my father's office that he ever read, I'm going to read by the end of the year. My life changed. Why? Influence. All of those books influenced me. It wasn't just reading a book, it seed into me. Paul said, You're not just listening to a message, I'm planting. You're not just reading a book, it's planting. And those people, I'm only reading after people whose lives I want to emulate. I'm not going to read after you to be entertained because I understand I'm not just being entertained. It is seed going in. I'm a garden. And so I'm only going to produce that which I, 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 I read and I'm around. And so I'm, I'm looking at my influences and, and, and making sure it's men who, and women who are calling out the deep of me. Uh, Patsy Caminetti, when she came in, she's coming back for the prayer conference next year, too, by the way. Uh, so I'm, I'm like, book Patsy again. Uh, so out of that, we locked up Patsy. Uh, so but like when she's here, I, I, I told my wife, I'm like, go get me every book off that book table, every book. She's like, you already have them? I'm like, I know, go give them again. I'm going to read them all over again. You need to fellowship with things that spoke to you as many times as possible because sometimes it's seed that just simply needs to be watered so it can give increase in this season. If something speaks to you, water the seed that speaks to you. It's speaking to you for a reason. Why? God's trying to produce it in your life, but he can't produce it until it's watered. Go back to it. Pay attention to the word that God is trying to sow into you. So I'm pumped up about my future. Why? Because I'm, I'm thrilled with the quality of seed that is going in me. And I know it's going to produce something great later. And I want you to be the same way. Now, I, I could keep building these things out, but I feel like we accomplished this. But I, I, I think the, what the Lord wanted me to go back to this uh, uh, weekend and tonight... Is, is this, there was a time, and if, for those of you, most of you who are here, I do see some kids here, but most of you who are here, the, the, the great thing, it's an amazing advantage you have right now, you can control your environment, you can control your association, and you can control your influence, and you need to take mass responsibility for those three things, and you need to be looking at all those things and say, do I want to produce this in my life? Do I want to produce this in my kids? Do I want like you have that advantage, but here's what I want to get at. There was a time in life when you didn't. There was a time in life where you could not control your environment. There was a time in in your life where you could not control your associations. And there was a, a time in your life where you could not control who and what influenced you. And it was when you were a child. And when you were a child, there was much that you saw that you're not even aware that you saw, but it's seed that went in you, and you're producing it today. And there was much that was spoken into you that you didn't permit to speak into you. It just did. And your life is a byproduct of those words that are in your heart. There are words that are spoken around you all the time. There are a few that are in your heart. And those words that are in your heart are, is going to be what you produce every single day of your life until you confront them and see what God says about those things. But when you were small, you couldn't control if your parents fought or not. You couldn't control what your dad said over you. You couldn't control what your mother did in front of you. You couldn't control your uncle. You couldn't control your grandparents. You couldn't control the music that was played in your house. You couldn't control what you found underneath the bed. You couldn't control what they did in front of you. You couldn't control the fighting. You couldn't control any of those things. But you do need to understand that nothing that you saw and nothing that you heard were just things that you saw and heard your garden, and those things were sown into you, and this is not for you to look at those things and to be like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. This is, though, for you to look at those things and say, if I don't go to that fig tree and curse it and say, no man eat fruit of you from here on after, I will produce the same thing in my household because I am a garden. And what happens in, in people's lives is from childhood, you have one of two things happen, either a generational sin or an inner vow. A generational sin is sin that is from generation to generation. It's, it's a repetitive sin. And it's not because just like a curse came down from one family to another. No, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. What it is, though, is you saw a pattern modeled out in front of you, and you didn't just see it. There's nothing that you see or hear that's not without consequence. It's seed that went into you. And all seed that goes into open ground, if it's watered, is produced. And it's often produced through repetition of the same sin. This is why you see people who were abused very often abused. People who grew up in the homes of alcoholics very often are alcoholics. You go through and you look at all of these types of things that were played out in the lives in front of children. Oftentimes it is repeated. Why? Because you're a garden. An inner vow is the complete opposite of the generational curse. A generational curse, uh, or generational sin, I'm sorry, is sin that is repeated from generation to generation. An inner vow is the opposite of that. And so an example of this could be you were beaten as a child. Not spanked, beaten. And that affected you so much from what you saw. From the, the face of your father when he did it. You saw that. It went in you. That face, that hand, that word, that grasp, that that firm hand around your your arm. You felt it. You didn't just feel it. It went in you. It went in you. And an inner vow goes the other way from the generational sin, and the inner vow says, I will never correct my children. And so you see their children getting away with everything because they took the sin and went the complete opposite direction. It so hurt them that they went this way with it. And so you have to begin to, to judge these things as you're an adult, and now that you are an adult, take responsibility for your field. You cannot control what was spoken into you when you were a child, but you can control your field now. And the sooner you deal with the bad seed and acknowledge that's bad seed. That's a bad tr- tree. No one needs to eat from that ever and curse it. People will continually go to that tree and eat off the fruit. And this is the danger of it. Now, I mentioned this last week. You're not the only one eating from you. Jesus, when he cursed the fig tree, said, no man eat fruit of you from here on out. And it died up from the root. Why? Because many people could eat from it. And for you in your life, if I'm close to you, I'm eating from the fruit you're producing. Right now, you're eating from the fruit I'm producing. If I get around you and I get close to you, I'll eat from your fruit. Your kids are eating from your fruit. Your wife is eating from your fruit. Your husband, your mom, your dad, whatever you're producing now, people are eating from that. And so we need to see, like, if I'm not liking what they're eating or they're eating it and they don't like it, like, I've got to come to that and acknowledge that is something that needs to be dealt with in my life. Uh, Now, a scripture that just kept coming up in my heart uh, for this is in the book of Proverbs. Let's go over and look at it. This is all in the context of your God's garden. Proverbs uh, 22. So the first step we acknowledge was I'm a garden. The next question we're asking is, am I God's? And is God the, has God been the only Lord that has allowed seed into my garden? Because if I'm God's garden, what I'm saying is, is God has access to my heart, and if it doesn't pass through him as the filter, it's not getting in. And so anything that's not of him, whether it came from childhood or a movie or a t- television show, he's the Lord. He's the bouncer at the door. And he is a not, not allowing it into the heart. Because I, I don't want to just know I'm a garden as a Christian. I want to be God's garden. And, and to judge these things. But notice Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. And think of this not in terms of you being a parent and a child. Think of this as you were a child. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. And even when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, we teach that to parents of train your children so that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. That's not the only way that verse works. You need to think of it in light of you being a garden. You were a child once. And when you were a child once, you weren't just out running in a field playing with Tonka trucks. You were trained. You were trained on marriage. You were trained on money. You were trained on health. You were trained on God. You were trained on church. You were trained on self-image. You were trained on what beauty is. Is it a weight? You were trained on that. Where were you trained? Train up a child. You were trained when you were a child. You were trained from conversations your parents were having in the front seat that they just thought they were having a conversation, but little did they know they were training you. Um. When you were a child, whether you know it or not, or whether it was right or wrong, you were trained. And now that you've gotten older, what's happening? Train up a child, and when they are old, they will what? Not do what? Depart from what? The it, what's it? The training you got from where? When you were a child. You had training put in you as a child. And now that you're older, you're living out the training for good or bad your parents put in you. And the sooner you come and acknowledge that, because for me, I grew up in the homes of pastors. And so, like, the advantage I had is massive. Um, My mom was a fantastic mother. But she was an even better wife. My father... Uh, He was a drug addict before he gave his life to Jesus. Y'all have heard his testimony. But out of that, you don't magically go from drug addict to like perfect husband, father, pastor overnight. And I hope you know that. Like his life was radically changed. She really was supernaturally set free from drugs. Like God set him free from drugs. That night, he gave his life to Jesus and never did drugs again. It's amazing. Like a miracle. Uh, But out of that, he didn't grow up. He led his father to Christ. Years later, when he started the church, he led his father to Christ. He brought his uncle back to Christ, or his his, um, um, brother back to Christ, my uncle. All of those things. But there was a lot he didn't know because he had never seen a man. Like my grandfather growing up, I can't ever remember him interacting with my grandmother in like an incredible, loving way. Like I remember him sitting in a recliner. I loved him. I loved him. He's my grand. I loved him. I remember watching Westerns with him. Love my grandfather. But the, the sum of his marriage was he sat in a recliner a lot and she brought him a sandwich. And that was, and like my grandmother could not ask for a better woman. But like I say that to say my father didn't have like the best seed in him in that way. And so he knew it. And so he began to take responsibility for it. And it's the same thing you have. I've said this a lot here recently, but I'm going to say it until it clicks in you. You cannot control the heritage that has been passed down to you. You can't control that. The heritage that has been passed to you, you have no control over. You can't control how they trained you. You weren't big enough to stop it. You can't control the heritage that's been passed down to you. But one thing you can control is for you to understand you're leaving a legacy. And your legacy is someone else's heritage. And I think God, my father, understood like I'm leaving a legacy. But there was a lot of edges that needed to be smoothed. And so as good as he was at pastoring, my mom was that good of a wife. And I learned how to be a spouse from my mom. Not for my dad. I learned a lot from my dad. But for my mom, I learned how to be a spouse. And it has served me my whole life. She trained me how to be loyal. She trained me how to protect. She trained me how to be a shield. I had a great role model there. For parenting, when when we uh, had children of our own, I saw there was a lot I did not know how to do. I never remember throwing any type of ball with my father. And I don't say that to bash him. I couldn't ask for a better father genuinely could not ask for a better father. I learned so much about life. I didn't learn that. He didn't know how to interact with kids. Like one of the things that broke my heart the most about his death, he died at 44 when I was 17, as I just felt like I was old enough to befriend him. And then he was gone. And I still still talk to the Lord, honestly, a lot about that. Because he didn't know how to interact with me as a child. He was never around that. He didn't have the training in him. There was no seed in him there. And so when my kids were little, I didn't know what to do with them. So my wife did a lot of the heavy lifting and parenting. And I regret that to this day. My kids were infants. I didn't know how to deal with that. Genuinely did not know. I'd never seen it. And, and this is one of the biggest problems with manhood. I can remember back at Highway 18 when we were there long before Lakeland, Highway 18. I had a service. It was one of these services where the Spirit of God was just there. And, like, he was dealing with my arm. I don't want to do that. Like, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to go over. But he's like... Do it. And so I'm like, okay. And so I got up there and I'm like, if you're a man here and you have never had another man bless you in the name of Jesus, come down here. I kid you not, 70% of the men came down. And so I invited the other men to come with me and just bless these men in the name of Jesus. Speak over them as sons and fathers of the Lord. Most of us, we've never seen it. So there's no seed there. And I can remember one of the transformational moments in my life of fathering was when John Romick came in and lived with us. John and Carolina came and lived with us right after she had a miscarriage. They came and lived in in our house. It was a beautiful moment of reconciliation for them, but it helped me because I saw how much fun John had with kids. And it was like watching something for the first time. I didn't even know you could have fun with kids like that. And it provoked a healthy jealousy in me. But that's when I started working out with Boston. That's when I made a priority to like really, really play with my kids. That's when I made a priority to like build Legos with my daughter. Like all of these things find their common interest and get there. Why? I had new seed. You are a garden. And so, so many of these things you don't understand. And until you do understand it, you won't confront it. And if you won't confront it, you'll keep eating fruit from it. And so will everybody else around you. But not everything you learned are things you want to emulate in your family or in your finances. Uh, so I learned so much spiritually. But there were some things that I had to acknowledge were not right concerning health. I had to judge those things. And in all throughout my 20s, I saw my life going in the same pattern as my father. Why? It's not a curse. It's a pattern. I saw my father eat that way. I ate the same way he ate. I saw my father treat physical exercise in a certain way. I treated it the same way. Why? I'm a garden. And so out of that, I emulate what I see. And you know what? You do too. And so you're going to have to really acknowledge some of these things that have happened in your heart and to really evaluate what you received in childhood and come and look at that and judge it. One of the biggest things that, like, and I'll, I'll, I'll begin wrapping up with this thought, Is there's so many examples of this in scripture, but the one I want to look at is Jacob in the Old Testament. You familiar with Jacob and Esau? Uh, Let's go over and look at this story. Go to Genesis, book of Genesis. And let's look at Genesis 25 and verse 19. Well, for the sake of time, skip down to verse 21. Genesis twenty-five twenty-one. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why am I this way? And so she inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Well, Esau's born first. You know the story. Jacob came out with his hand on Esau's leg. And as soon as this happened, she names him Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver. That's his label. And so his whole life, he has had those words spoken into him. And not only has he had those words spoken into him, um, what do we know about those words? They're what? Seeds. All of those words that were spoken into you were seeds. Those seeds will do what later in life? They will produce a harvest. But not only was he, you know, had these words, deceiver, 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 supplanter, supplanter, spoken into him. He also had training in it. Because as soon as he bo- he's born, watch what happens here. In verse number 26. Afterwards, his brother came forth with his hand holding on Esau's hill, so his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was uh, 60 years old when she gave birth to them. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Does anyone see the dysfunction here? Uh, so immediately you see Jacob attach more to his mom. You see Esau attach more to his, his father. This does not produce anything good because Esau is going to pick up very bad habits. And when you even look at, uh, you know, some of the, the things that rabbis and things teach about um, uh, uh, Esau, he not only was undisciplined with what he ate, but many believe he was undisciplined with relationships, which is why in the book of Hebrews when it's mentioned, he's mentioned in the same context as fornication. He has no mother influence in his life. There's only the strength of man. There's nothing in him that is bringing balance of honor and and femininity and, and like these types of things around and in him. On the flip side of that, Jacob feels like, I cannot be blessed by my father unless I become my brother. And so the only time you see the father bless Jacob was when he wasn't Jacob. He feels like I have to become somebody that I'm not just to be touched and blessed by my father. And I love the Bible because it does not shy away from these things. Why is it here? It's not written for your entertainment. It's written so you can relate to it. Um, To help you. And not make the same mistakes. Not only not making the same mistakes of a father and a mother, but seeing how to handle it when you are the child. And so Jacob has this connection with his mom. Constantly his name is reinforced. When he tricks his brother, his brother's like, and that's why your name is Jacob. And he's reinforcing that label. It's because like, that's what you are. You deceive everybody. And that word is reinforced in his heart. That word is watered. Now, what happens to a word that's in you and watered? It will produce. And so what does Jacob constantly do in his life? He deceives, 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 deceives. Not only is this his name, but he also receives training in it. Go over to chapter 27. Uh, so verse one, now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his elder son Esau to him. And he said, my son, and he said, here I am. And Isaac said, behold, I'm old. I do not know the day of my death, but now please take your gear, your quiver, your bow, go into the field and hunt for a game and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the, the field to hunt for game, Rebekah said to Jacob, behold, I, hear, I heard your father's. Speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat it. And bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring two choice young goats from there that I may prepare as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you will bring it to your father. Everyone say "training." training. Then you will bring it to your father. She's training him how to be blessed by his father. And it's wrong." She's training him, this is what you need to do to be blessed, and it's wrong. And he he walks in, long story short, he walks in the training, and it produces chaos in his family. Not just chaos in his family. After he does this, long story short, he gets the blessing. He he like Esau was so hairy, he had to put the goat on him. Like, I, I still wonder. He's like, you don't sound like Esau. He's like, feel me. And and his his father's like, it is you. I'm like, how hairy was this man? Like, as hairy as a goat. Uh, like, anyway. Uh, so <laughs> crazy. You ought to read your Bible. Um, so, but, but here he blesses Jacob. It worked. Her training worked. As at least she thought it did until it didn't. And it introduces chaos into his life, into his family unit. Jacob has to run for his life because Esau's like, I'm going to kill him. That's that's what's going to happen here. I'm going to kill Jacob. And so he runs to his uncle Laban's house. What happens to him for the next 14 years? In his he's married, he's starting a family. What happens to him for the next 14 years? He is deceived over and over and over and over and over and over again. Laban changes his wages constantly. What is it? It's a harvest from the seed that he sowed. Why did he sow that seed? Why did he sow that seed? That was his training. That's what was spoken into him. He didn't just wake up one day and be like, you know what, I think I'm going to ruin my family. And his mom didn't wake up one day and be like, you know what, one day I'm going to train him to ruin his. But she spoke words into him, and she gave him training that when he began to live by what his mom taught him, it brought chaos into his life. And until one day he came and said, I'm done taking my identity from what they said about me. God, I will not let you go until you bless me. And you know how God blessed him? He said, I'm going to change your name. You are not Jacob. You are not a deceiver. This was not the way I wanted to go about this. You are Israel for a prince with God and a prince with man I have made you. And God began replacing the seed that his parents sowed into him, the label that they put in him, and put in him a brand new label. And he began to live out of that place. And this is what you have to do in your own life, is is you have to really come and identify, why am I acting this way? Like, why am I constantly pushing these types of people away? Or why am I pushing these types of opportunities away? Or why am I looking at God this way? Why am I handling money this way? Why, Why am I not interacting with my kids the way I should be operating with? my kids? Why am I talking to my wife this way? Why is she talking to me this way? Why is that my definition of beauty? Why is that my definition of acceptance? Why is that my definition of what this looks like? Why why am I angry? And to come back and realize, you are filled, that's why. And at some point, something was sown in you that you absolutely had no control over your environment. You absolutely had no control over your influences. You absolutely had no control over your associations. But guess what? Now... You do. And what you need to do and what I need to do is to get in this and say, God, who am I? And I'm going to wrestle with you until the ideas in here begin to pierce my heart. Because I want to show you something cool real quick. I, I just closed it, but I want you to see this. There was one saving grace for Esau, and it was words his father spoke to him. This was so cool. This blessed me just in looking at it. So Esau's like, what do I do now? You gave him my blessing. Don't you have any more blessing you can give me? And his father's like, okay. And watch what his father says to him in chapter 27 and verse 39. Then Isaac, his father answered and said unto him, behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling." And away from the dew of heaven above. By your sword you will live. And your brother you will serve. Watch this. But it shall come about when you become restless. That you will break his yoke from off your neck. You will break his yoke from off your neck. Jacob hurt Esau. Why? He was trained to do it. And as a young man, he's living in the only training he knows. And it put a yoke on Esau's neck. What's a yoke? It's like, I can't go any further than the actions of this person. And his father said, I see that yoke on your neck, but I'm telling you, Esau, one day, and I love these words. Think of the words as a father. As a father... I'm a father and I'm a husband. As a father and as a husband, I have become more aware of the power of my words and the lives of my children and my wife than ever before. And I see I can help you or I can hurt you. I can help you. Or I can hurt you. And Esau's father, Isaac, he says, there's going to come a day, son. Listen to me. There's going to come a day, son. where that yoke, it's going to come off your neck. And one of my favorite stories is when Jacob, after wrestling with God, came to meet Esau. Because you see the yoke from off of his neck. And literally, these brothers who have not seen each other for decades are like, weeping and holding each other. And Esau's like, are these your kids? He's like, yeah. What this training from these parents did to these boys, but God redeemed it when they took ownership. Are these your boys? Yeah. Is that your wife? Yeah. These grown men weeping and Jacob's like I'm going to give you like all this because Jacob still feels so bad for what he did he knows God's shown him you did wrong by him and he could have blamed his mom all day long it's like I didn't do wrong she's literally the one who dressed me up and made the soup but I like how he took ownership because you know what when you're an adult now you can't keep blaming your parents you can't control your heritage You can control your legacy. And whether you understand it or not, you're leaving one. And he took ownership with it. And and, and Jacob's like, I know I hurt you. And he's like, here's all this cattle. I mean, it would have made him worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions, in a moment. And Esau's like, I don't want it. He said, I saw I didn't need it for the Lord to bless me. The Lord's blessed me. I don't need any of that. Keep it. He's like, no, 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 take it. He's like, keep it. These boys rose above it. And you know why? As much as they got wrong in this story, I think some of these words, these last words from Isaac and to his son, Esau, one day it came about where Esau's like, you know what, it's time to take this yoke from off my neck. I, I don't need this teaching any longer. It's not serving me. It's not helping me in this season. And he was free. And I I just, I, I want you to really just do a deep dive examination on what's in you. And I want you to ask is that what God wants in me? Is that what God says about me? Is that how God handles money? Is that how God talks to women? Is, is that how God values self-image? Is that how God raises children? Is that how Jesus handles sin? Is that how Jesus handles an enemy? Did my parents teach me in, in line with this? Or do I need to come to that tree and say, I'm not eating from you any longer. I'm, I'm wrestling with the Lord to find out a new way. Uh, and I promise you, if you do that and you come to a place of of humility where you allow this to become an engrafted word into your heart, you will be satisfied with the fruit that is produced from your life. And so will your kids and, and so will your future wives and your future husbands and your current ones. And Let's just pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your Holy Spirit. Is there anything I need to say, Lord? Is there anything else I've forgotten or should have said differently or phrase, phrase differently? Show me. Teach me. I just hear this in my heart. You are not always who they said you were. You are not always who they, whoever they may be, said you were. Some things and even some people are mislabeled called one thing by man, but an entirely different thing by God. And in this season, have a moment where you wrestle with the Lord and have him speak his words concerning you. His words concerning how you need to parent and how you need to govern your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we just submit to you. We submit to your voice. We submit to your will. We submit to your plan. We submit to your path. We submit to your ways. We submit to your word. In the name of... Let's worship the Lord tonight to end our service and just have a moment with just the spirit of just openness and surrender. And and maybe it is just at your seat or at the altar, just coming to a place where you acknowledge that there are some things in my life that I just want to, to forgive my parents of, to forgive that training, to acknowledge I don't need to have that in my life anymore, that framework did not serve them well it has not served me well and so I release that and and maybe some of you honor what your parents gave you and honor the legacy that they had because they did train you right in areas but which one of those things do you need to reinforce and which one of those things do you need to let go of while we're worshiping just let the spirit of God kind of coach you in that Just let him speak to your heart specifically about certain things that need to be addressed.